Gary and Micah, thank you for reminding us those old songs still have some pop to them. Always a place in God's house for the old hymns. If you have your Bibles, would you open them tonight, please, to Hebrews chapter 12. And tonight we're going to be considering verses 14 through 17 as we begin a brand new sermon series simply titled, Losers. I like messages about winners, but for every winner, there's losers. And we're going to be looking in the weeks to come at men and women who could have been winners, who could have been champions, who could have been great, who could have been in God's Hall of Fame, but they made choices that would lead to their decline in this life and disaster in the life to come. Tonight, a loser named Esau. Hebrews chapter 12. Let's read together beginning with verse 14. The writer of Hebrews, many people believe, including myself, to be the Apostle Paul says, follow peace with all men, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Follow peace with all men in holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator, or profane person, or godless person, profane could be translated, as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Lest there be any fornicator, Verse 16, or godless person, as Esau, who for one portion, one morsel, one plateful of food, sold his birthright. I heard the story about a man who left his gas cap while filling up at a local gas station. He drove off and left his gas cap. Maybe you've done that before, but he did. Going back to the station, he found that his gas cap was no longer there. Somebody apparently took it with them. But God is good sometimes, isn't he? He looked down several pumps and he saw another gas cap. And nobody was around it. So he took that one. Now, he was proud of himself as he slid into the car next to his wife. He told her, honey, I couldn't find the old one, but I found a new one. And it's a new, improved, and better one than the old one I had because it's a locking cap. His dear wife asked him the question, did it have the key with it? 
And suddenly this man who was so glad became very sad. He came very quickly to the realization that what he thought was so worth something was now worthless. What he thought was so good and now was so bad. What he thought was going to make him a big deal now made him a no deal. Why did I tell you that story? Because it's kind of like Esau. Esau made a choice to leave God. He was on the journey of life. And he made a decision somewhere in that journey to leave God because he believed that there was something better out there. And what was better to him was not a life with God, but a life without God. He chose to leave God and to embrace godlessness. And he would find out later that he made a mistake. That the godless way is not new, it's not improved, it's not better. It's really a waste, not just for this life, but for the life to come. I want to talk to you a little bit about Esau tonight. Maybe you're familiar with him, maybe you're not. I want to tell you his story, if I may, in a running review. And as you listen to the story of Esau, would you ask yourself the question, does this, does this describe me? Does this possibly describe somebody else I know? Let's think about Esau. Esau is found in the Old Testament, primarily in the book of Genesis, although he's mentioned in Hebrews and several other places. Esau was the son of Isaac. And Esau's grandfather was Abraham. One of the greatest men of faith in the Bible was his grandfather. And he had a father who was also a godly man. Now Esau, when he was born, was one of two that were born together at the same time. He was a twin. Now Esau's twin was named Jacob. And Esau was the first one to be born, and Jacob immediately followed. Now though Esau and Jacob came from the same mother, and though they came from the same womb, and though they had the same father, Esau and Jacob were as different as night and day. Parents, do you have two children that are different as night and day? Well, Isaac did. Let's talk a little bit about what they were like. Esau was a bushy, hairy man. I want you to picture that in your mind. From the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, he was hairy like a gorilla. I mean, he had hair everywhere. He was, he was bushy. And he was unkept. He didn't try to comb his hair. He didn't try to shave his beard. I mean, he was just rugged looking. 
Jacob, his brother, on the other hand, was well-groomed, well-kept, smooth of skin. Esau looked like a lumberjack, and Jacob looked like a Hollywood star. That's the difference between the two boys. Esau was hard. He was hard as a diamond. He was tough as a nail. He was strong as an ox. When you saw Esau, this is what you would say, that's a man's man. Jacob, he was a mama's boy. He was soft, he was tender, he was considerate, he was polite. Esau was blue-collar. He was good with his hands. Jacob was white-collar. He was good with his brain. Esau was good from the neck down, and Jacob was good from the neck up. Esau was an outdoorsman. He loved to hunt, he loved to fish, he loved to boat, he loved to camp, he loved the outside. That was his way of life. Jacob, he was an indoorsman. He liked to play chess and checkers. He liked to play cards. He liked to read books. He liked to draw. He liked to write. He was an academic type person. Esau was rash, quick-tempered, volatile, explosive. He could just all of a sudden go into a rage, say things he shouldn't say, do things he shouldn't do, tear up something. And then as quick as it came, he would settle right back down. You ever met somebody like that? They just blow up very quickly. Well, Jacob, he was more thoughtful. Controlled his emotions better. He was very clever. He was an intellectual. He was constantly calculating and thinking things through before he would act. But the biggest difference between the two boys was spiritual. Both of them had a godly father, and both of them had an extremely godly grandfather. But Esau was godless. Spiritual things didn't mean nothing to Esau. Esau had no concern about God. He had no concern about church. He had no concern about the Bible. He had no concern about anything spiritual. He didn't care. Jacob, on the other hand, was a very godly man. He was keenly interested in the faith of his father and his grandfather. He was keenly interested in the scriptures of his day, of the church of his day, of what God wanted him to do, the will of God for his life. Two brothers, twins, and yet they were so different. There came a day when they became young men, that Esau came from the field after spending a day hunting. And he came in and he was extremely hungry. Now remember, he's rash. He makes quick decisions. He doesn't always think through things. 
When he wants something, he wants it now, and it doesn't matter what it cost him to get it. His favorite word is now, 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 now. And he comes in from the field and he is famished. He's, he's hungry. He wants something to eat. And Jacob has been in the kitchen. Emerald. And he's cooked up some Cajun red stew. With chicken and sausage. And Esau smells it. And he says, I want that stew. And Jacob says, wait a minute. I'll be more than glad to give you a bowl of my famous chicken and sausage red stew. But you're going to have to make a trade with me, brother. If you give me your birthright, I'll give you a bowl of this stew. And Esau says, that's a deal. My birthright doesn't mean anything to me if I drop dead of hunger. <laughs> you can have it. Shake hands. And he gives Jacob his birthright. And in exchange, he gets a bowl of red stew. Now you might wonder, well, what's the birthright? Well, in that day, the oldest son, was the recipient of the birthright. Now, what was the birthright? The birthright was you were legal heir, executor of the estate over everything your father had, and you were the one that would receive the blessing from your father that God would give. It was about who was going to be in control of the estate of your earthly father, and who would receive the blessing of the Heavenly Father. So it was a financial as well as a spiritual thing. And Esau trades his birthright, his position, his blessing for a bowl of red stew. Now let me kind of help you understand what this trade was all about again. The oldest son, because he was going to be the executor of the state, he got two-thirds of whatever was going to be distributed to the others. Okay? Because Esau was the firstborn, let's say that Isaac had $30,000. Well, the firstborn is not going to be a split. It ain't going to be 15-15. The firstborn gets two-thirds of that. So Isaac has $30,000. Esau gets $20,000. He's the executor. Jacob gets $10,000. Not only does the first son, the one with the birthright, get more money, he gets the blessing of God. And that blessing of God has tremendous overtones in that day. So if we can just assume that maybe $30,000 was in play, we can do that, can't we? What did Esau trade? <laughs> he bought a bowl of stew for $10,000 and the blessing of God that he should have had. 
You say, Pastor, that's one of the most one-sided trades I've ever heard of. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It was. And that trade revealed how godless Esau was. Now, I want you to listen to me. Don't miss this. Esau did not become godless by trading away his birthright. He traded his birthright away because he was godless. We do what we are. Do you understand that? Why do we lie? Because we're liars. Why do we steal? Because we're thieves. Why do we fornicate? Because we're immoral. Why do we kill? Because we're murderers. What we are predicates what we do. Esau didn't become godless by what he did. He did what he did because he was godless. He had no interest in his father's estate, and he had no interest in God's blessing. He had no interest in that. He never cared for God. He never was interested in the faith of Isaac or Abraham. Esau worshipped himself. He only thought about the moment, about the here and now, about the temporal, about this world. All of that out there meant nothing to him. We've got a lot of people like that today, sadly to say. They're godless because they choose to be godless, because that's what they are. Now, I want to stop here and say something else, because I want you to understand, listen to me carefully. Godless people are not always bad people. Some years ago, I had a chance to meet one of the most renowned atheists in this tri-county area, Herb Silverman. I found him to be a very polite man. He knew who I was, and when I introduced himself, I knew who he was. As far as spirituality goes, we're at total opposite ends of the spectrum. But he was a gentleman to me, I was a gentleman to him, he spoke well to me, I spoke well to him. Godless people are not always bad. When you study Esau in the Bible, you'll find out that he was a good son. He was a good son to Isaac. He didn't cause Isaac any trouble. He would go out on those hunting trips. He would bring back meat. He would give that meat to his father. He respected his father. He honored his father. He wasn't interested in his father's God or his faith. But he was, he was a good son. Though he was godless, he was a good son. He was also a forgiving brother. There came a time when there had to be a reconciliation between Jacob and Esau. They had been separated for years because of connivings that they did. And Jacob wondered whether his brother would forgive him or kill him. But Jacob came and held out the hand to his brother of reconciliation. And Esau forgave him. And never brought it up again the rest of their days. 
He forgave his brother. You don't find many people who are Christian who are willing to forgive people. And yet Esau, who was a godless man, he was a good son. He was a forgiving brother. From all accounts in the Bible, he was a good person. He cussed a little bit, but never around ladies. He drank a little beer, but he only got drunk on the weekends. He would get mad and violent every now and then and call his wife names and slap her maybe once or twice and throw things at the kids and kick at them and chase the dog off. But he got over it pretty quick. And he'd make up to them. He chased women, but he always came back to his wife. He lied only when it was necessary. He cheated only when it could advance himself. And he stole only from people who could afford for him to steal it from them. You say, Pastor, he had some morals. <laughs> Most godless people do. When I was lost, I had a moral code, didn't you? Sure we did. Esau had a moral code. It was just not God's. It was his own. It came from the world that he lived in. I want you to understand, godless people are not necessarily bad people. Esau was a nice pagan. He was a good humanist. He was a likable heathen. But again, he was godless. God was not part of his mind. God was not part of his heart. God was not part of his life. God had no place for him. Now, how do we know that? Because all the others, all the others, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, the patriarchs, as we call them, every one of them in the Bible built altars of worship to God. Esau did never build an altar of worship. There's no place in the scripture where he ever went to church and worshiped God. He never prayed. He never witnessed his faith. He never served. He never gave. Those things were not important to him. He was a good person. Are you listening to me, ladies and gentlemen? He was a good person. But he was a godless person. What are the advantages to being a godless person? You get every Sunday off to do what you want to do. You can keep all your money to yourself. You don't have to serve your fellow man. There are some advantages to being a godless person. You can control your own time, talents, and treasures. It's all yours. You don't have to share them with God or anybody else. But there would come a day when Esau would find out that the godless life is a mistake. All that glitters isn't gold. That what he thought was new and improved and better was nothing more than a locked gas cap, and he had no key.
and it was no good to him. The 23rd Psalm, all of us know it. But let me give you the 23rd Psalm of a godless person. I believe if Esau would have been asked to recite the 23rd Psalm, and he was honest, this is what he would say. The Esau version of the 23rd Psalm. I have no shepherd, I constantly want. Discontented, I graze in the barren fields, and I can find no water to quench my thirst. My soul is weary. I wander in the paths of selfishness, seeking pleasure. When I walk in the darkness of the valley of death, I fear evil because I am alone. There is no power, there is no principle to give me support. I have no nourishment at a table to give me strength. There's no oil for my head to give me pleasure. My life is empty. Even though God's goodness and mercy have been available to me all my life, I rejected it. And now I have been banished from the house of the Lord forever. That is the 23rd Psalm of a godless person. A godless person who has no hope, no help, and no heaven waiting on him one day. You know, it's amazing. Esau could have changed that if he chose to. But he waited and waited and he waited. He put off and he put off and he put off. He was not interested. He said no for so long that when the time came in the last days of his life, when he started to search for God, he couldn't find God. He had forgotten God when he was young. God forgot him when he was old. My spirit shall not always strive with man. Remember, choices have consequences. That if you choose to make your life a godless life, the consequence of that is you might be godless the rest of your life. You don't play games with God, ladies and gentlemen. You're not going to smoke the devil's cigarettes all your life and blow the smoke in God's face at the end and think you're going to jump on the salvation bandwagon. There comes a time when God calls us to come. God called Esau. He called him through Abraham, his grandfather. He called him through Isaac, his father. He called him through his brother Jacob. He called him through situations and circumstances. He called him through his Holy Spirit. He called him through numerous ways. And Esau said, I'm not interested. And there came a time when he was interested, but it was too late. Is Esau in heaven? The son of Isaac. The grandson of Abraham. Is he in heaven? Probably not. 
He chose a godless life on earth. He received a godless life in eternity. Sir Francis Newport, in closing, was the head of an English infidel club. What a, what a good club to be part of, an infidel club. He mocked God all of his life, ridiculed God all of his life, made fun and sarcasm at God all of his days, but now he's on his deathbed, and the infidel club comes to give him some encouragement. Encouragement to an infidel on his deathbed. What can you say? Well, they stood around and were trying to search for words to say when all of a sudden, this is what Francis Newport said, and I quote, this is an infidel now speaking as he's about one minute away from closing his eyes and going into eternity. What is he going to say? I quote, he said this to his buddies, you need not tell me there is no God, for I know that there is one now, and I'm in his angry presence. You need not tell me there's no hell, for I already feel my soul slipping into its fires. Wretches, cease your idle talk about there being hope for me. I know that I am now lost forever. And he closed his eyes and died. A godless life will take you to a godless eternity. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I don't think we have any Esau's here tonight. Because if you were an Esau, you wouldn't be here. Esau's don't have any use for God. They don't have any use for the church. They don't have any use for the Bible. They don't have any use for anything spiritual. Godless people live for themselves. They live for this life. And they don't worry about anything else. They grab for all the gusto they can now because this is all they're going to get. But my concern is not so much the Esau's. I don't know that you can do much with them. Most of them are hard-headed and hard-hearted, stubborn as the day is long. Unless God comes to them in a great movement of power, most of them will stay godless and perish. But my concern is about we who claim the name of Jesus, ladies and gentlemen. And yet we live like godless people. We really don't give God a whole lot of thought during our day, during our week, except when we come to church. For the most part, we're atheists except for Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. We don't pray, we don't read our Bible, we don't share our faith, we don't serve in the church, we don't give to the church. For all practical purposes, we're no better than the godless person, 
except for the fact that we claim to be born-again Christians and followers of Jesus. Many of us who make that claim, we have sin in our lives, and it doesn't seem to bother us. It doesn't seem to bother us that we say and do things that are so inappropriate and wrong. I think there's something more tragic than being a godless person, and it's being a Christian who lives a godless life. And we see so much of that today. So many people claim the name of Jesus and yet they belly up to the bar every Saturday night and get drunk as they can be. Or they smoke pot in their car. Or they hop into bed with every boy or girl that comes down the pike. We've become a generation of pagan Christians if we be Christian at all sometimes. I'm asking you to give some thought to what is being said. And I would say to you what Alexander the Great said to a soldier that was brought to him for bad conduct. The soldier stood before Alexander the Great who ruled the world at age 33. The soldier had done some conduct that was unbecoming of a soldier in the Greek army. Alexander was talking with him and said, Young man, what's your name? And the young man said, My name is Alexander, just like yours, my king. And Alexander looked at him and said, Young man, you change your behavior or you change your name. But don't bring me any more shame or embarrassment with your behavior. And I wonder sometimes if our heavenly commander-in-chief doesn't want to say that to you and I. Change the way you talk, change the way you act, change the way you live, or change calling yourself a Christian. Quit dragging my name through the mud of this dirty world. Stop it. Miss Barbara, I'm going to ask you just to play a little bit. Keith, we won't have any singing. And I want you to take a moment just to look at yourself. Is my life what it should be? Am I living like I claim to be? Am I living up to the name that's above all names, the name of the Lord Jesus? Am I a godly person living a godly life? People determine I'm a believer if they watch me, if they listen to me, if they experienced me outside of church. Am 
My carrying the banner of Jesus high and holy or my dragging the banner of Jesus through the dirt and mud of this world. Am I making people reverence Him or am I causing people to laugh at Him? There is something more tragic than being a godless person, and that's being a godless person who claims to be a Christian. I love the way that God has given us time put into segments. Because God in His wisdom gave us 24-hour days, 7-day weeks, 30-day months, 12-month years. You know why He did that, I believe? One of the reasons is that we at any point in this journey of life could stop, confess our sin, repent, and start all over again. No matter what you've done in the past, tonight you could get right with God and leave out of here renewed and refreshed and enter tomorrow with a new beginning and a fresh start. A new week with a new beginning and a fresh start. A new month with a new beginning and a fresh start. A new year with a new beginning and a fresh start. The old life fades away and you become brand new. We confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. To cleanse us of all iniquity. Though our sins be as black as a desert night at midnight, the royal ruby red blood of Jesus will wash us and cleanse us and make us whiter, whiter than the virgin snow. It can happen tonight. The choice is yours. It's never too late to start all over again as of right now but tomorrow it may be today is the day now is the time our heavenly father we thank you for teaching us through your word Lord, we're sorry for Esau, the life that he chose to live and the eternity that he chose to go to. But Lord, we thank you that we can learn from him. And I pray that we have tonight. In so many ways, I pray that we've learned something that would make a difference for us in this life that we live and in the eternity to come. We thank you, Lord, for your love for us. And may we enter into tomorrow new, fresh, excited about what the opportunities will be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Good night.